Hey everybody, I'm Rachel Bonetta. And I'm Rachna Frookbaum. And this is Hall of Shape. Hey Rachel. Hey girl, hey. Hey. So I'm real excited to get into this episode. But before we do, we're a sports podcast that keeps it pretty light. But when it's relevant, I feel like we try to explore the ways that sports cannot be separated from the social, political, and racial systems they exist in. So in light of current events, and partly because today's story actually touches on them in a way, it feels especially important to acknowledge a couple things. So Colin Kaepernick, through his stage as a professional athlete, tried to shine a light on the racism and police brutality that is once again being protested across the nation. Mm -hmm. At the time, and unfortunately, even now, many people were more outraged at his kneeling and the protest than at the systematic brutality and white supremacy he was calling out. And it's frankly infuriating to think about. But instead of stewing in that fury, I'm focusing instead on the quote, it is a privilege to learn about racism instead of experiencing it your whole life. As a woman of color whose life has not been without bigotry, I also hold that I do not fully understand because I am not black and that alone affords me privilege. I will own that, listen, learn, undoubtedly make mistakes, learn more, and strive to work for change with that privilege because it shouldn't have to be said, but unfortunately it does, so we cannot repeat it enough. Black lives matter. While we cannot change the past, we can own that this country failed to recognize the powerful way Kaepernick and others have tried to use sports as a platform and has generally failed across the board to effectively address issues of racial injustice. One person incapable of that or any humanity or character is our president who stokes hatred on a daily basis, attempts to dismantle the major institutions of our democracy, and exploit the news cycle with his endless lies and propaganda. Just this week, he gassed a group of peaceful protesters for a photo op in front of a church that didn't even want him there. And the point of all this is to say, that's the kind of thing Kim Jong-un would do. I say that because I know this podcast can provide an escape, but I'd have been remiss not to point out the horrifying similarities between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un, the authoritarian leader of North Korea, because that's where we're going today in our story. But first, a reset to take it back to our podcast. Before everything that is happening, you and I had been talking about how much we miss the last dance because it was so nice to have something regular in sports to look forward to, and it's left a void. And voids suck. So we wanted to take another look at one of the most fascinating players in it, Dennis Rodman. If you're able to donate, here's how to support people and groups protesting police violence and work to combat racism and injustice. Go to crooked.com slash bail funds to support community bail funds around the country and go to crooked.com slash change funds to support 11 groups fighting racism and police brutality. So lots of ways we can help make a change right now. Keep fighting. Let's get back to the show. Today's story is about Mr. Dennis Keith Rodman, a.k.a. The Worm. Hold on, his middle name is Keith? 
I know. That's like the most boring name for the most like... Unexpected. <laughs> wild man. Mr. Dennis the Worm Rodman. Maybe that's better. Yeah, it is. So we, of course, know him as an incredible basketball player and one of the best defenders and rebounders of all time. But another thing we'll remember Dennis for always is his unexpected and super bizarre friendship with North Korea's supreme leader, Kim Jong-un. Truly among the worst men ever. Yeah. 1,000%. Top five? Top three? Yeah. I mean, Top one. not great. Yeah. We got a lot of bad leaders right now, so it's really hard to rank, but... <laughs> Definitely up there. Put him in the graduating class. I want to say that because we're about to explore this friendship, mm -hmm. but I wanted to be really clear that I understand who this man is. Yeah. And the nature of this podcast yeah. is to He's be a human rights and, violating yeah, dictator. So let's he's awful. know that going in. But Rachel, seeing as though our friendship is a testament to the connecting power of sports. Mm-hmm. I want to explore the connection of Dennis Rodman and Kim Jong-un in the same way to tell the story of these seemingly unlikely besties. Okay, so you just compared our friendship, our relationship that has been built on like trust and like yeah. respect. Love. You just love. No human rights violations yeah, between us just, as far as I know. You just compared us to, to Kim Jong-un and Dennis yeah. Rodman. Okay. <laughs> it's sounding beautiful to begin with. I don't know if I'm going to feel the same way by the time this is over. Okay, continue. Well, so you might know the famous Vice episode called The Hermit Kingdom, which mm -hmm. if you haven't watched, I highly recommend, where Rodman goes to North Korea with a few Harlem Globetrotters and first meets Kim Jong-un. Yes, I've see, I saw that when it first came out like a long time ago. Well, stay tuned because in a little bit, we're going to have a very special guest today, former Vice correspondent Ryan Duffy, who was there to witness it all. I am so excited. This is our very first our guest first on guest. Hall of Shame. It's wild. He's going to break it down for us way better than I obviously could. But first, before we talk to him, let's rewind and get to know these two very different men, our protagonists, Dennis Rodman and Kim Jong-un, before their meet-cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So Dennis Rodman was born in Trenton, New Jersey in 1961. He was raised by a single mom in an impoverished section of Dallas called Oak Cliff. Growing up, Dennis was painfully shy and unsure where he'd end up. Sports was kind of the way out, but he wasn't actually considered an athletic standout in high school. Oh, wow. But after high school, he experienced a sudden growth spurt going from five feet, six inches all the way to six feet, eight Inches. Wowzers. <laughs> so after Rodman's growth spurt, he decided to give basketball another go, despite what he explains as apparently becoming even more withdrawn because he felt odd in his own body, which like I'm like, I get you mm -hmm. grew an entire foot in a very short period of time. That's mm -hmm. jarring. Yeah. But anyway, that's also when his career began to take off. As chronicled in The Last Dance, he would go on to have a storied NBA career, winning championships with the Detroit Pistons in 1989 and 1990. Then he spent two seasons with the Spurs in San Antonio before heading to the Chicago Bulls in 1995, where he would win three more NBA championships between 1996 and 1998. My favorite era. So good. So despite all the success, my man has never fit into the mold of American star athlete. Dennis exists outside the box, and you know what? Mostly, I commend him for it, especially for trying to live his truth in the world of professional sports, which can embody the most traditional, rule-following, gendered elements mm -hmm. of society. Yeah, with husband, even just like thinking of Dennis Rodman, like the hairstyles, the wedding Correct. dresses, the ear piercings, like everything. It just he just like exudes 
fun in yeah. a way. You know, the just, NBA is like, this is what it looks like. And Dennis is like, no, thank you. <laughs> they were they were like, the NBA was like pointing to MJ and he's like, this is what it looks like. And then you see Dennis on the same court. Like, okay. <laughs> right. For example, in 1995, Dennis shaved an HIV AIDS awareness ribbon into the back of his head during a playoff game, which like, shout out. Love it. You know, he's using his flamboyance to actually promote a good cause. Yeah, 1000%. In 96, as you just referenced, Dennis went full drag to promote his memoir, Bad As I Want to Be, by wearing a wedding dress and announcing he was bisexual and intended to marry himself. I felt like it was, it was very appropriate to get married to the city of New York. Yeah, but you've got everything except a bride. I'm all of both worlds, yeah. Oh, I just watched a Dennis uh, Rodman documentary and it was so, so good. But didn't he like ride a carriage, a horse-drawn carriage, like to Times Square and like yes. millions of people came out and watched him? Like it's wild. And for context, this was the year the Bulls won the NBA title. So he was doing this at the height of his career. It's not like after the fact. He's being Dennis at all times. He was making some noise. I love it. On an episode of Viceland in 2016, he shared that he'd broken his penis three oh. times during sex. Same. I'm like, oh, f blood everywhere. She's screaming, screaming. Oh my God, he's dead, he's dead. I killed him. Oh my God. And I said, no, honey, I just broke, I just broke my dick. <laughs> the point being, this dude gives his all always. This once shy kid has now grown up to be unapologetically himself. Rodman has never been one to shy away from what he believes in, mm -hmm. no matter how much controversy it might stir. The point for our story is everything that Dennis Rodman does, he does all the way. And he brought this same Dennis Rodman-ness and passion to North Korea. Which brings us to Kim Jong-un, who had a very different childhood. <laughs> much of his early life is shrouded in secrecy, but we do know that he is the second youngest child of former North Korean leader Kim Jong-il. Got it. So Kim Jong-un was born in either 1983 or 1984. Who can know? <laughs> Meaning he grew up in the golden era of Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls. And we know he watched those Bulls because in North Korea, basketball was a big-ass deal. Plus, his dad, Kim Jong-il, was obsessed. Wow. The elder Kim was said to have built NBA regulation courts in almost all his palace residencies, as well as a video library complete with every game that Michael Jordan played with the Chicago Bulls. I would have paid money to watch him play horse, like, in his palace. <laughs> It would be so fun. With like his butler. And his butler like always has to lose. Always. We can also safely assume this means the Kim family are giant Bulls fans. So much so that when Madeleine Albright, Secretary of State under Bill Clinton, visited North Korea in 2000, she gifted Kim Jong-il, so that's Kim Jong-un's dad, with a basketball signed by Michael Jordan in the hopes that it might help in negotiations between the two hostile countries. I wonder wow. if Michael Jordan had any idea where <laughs> that basketball was going. Because totally. These guys, these guys just rattle off autographs on stuff all the time. Why didn't they ask that in the last dance? See? Good we're doing this. <laughs> Did you know that that basketball went to his time? <laughs> Anyway, just so you know, the basketball didn't help in negotiations, but it does still sit in North Korea's International Friendship Exhibition Hall, which is like a museum that Kim Jong-il made. It's hilarious to me that a place like North Korea has a friendship exhibition hall. You know, it's like that thing where like 
when you have to talk about it, it's not real. <laughs> like if you have to name it. When you have to show it off and make a museum. When you always have to talk about like, this is my best friend. It's yeah. like, are you even friends? Mm, yeah. Amazing. But the point here being Kim Jong-un grew up aware and likely a huge fan of Dennis Rodman as well. So in 1988, it is rumored that he attended. I'm just going to give this a whirl. Oh, uh, Liebfeld Steinholzschule. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Liebefeld Steinholzschule. It's a fancy prep school for diplomats' kids in Switzerland. Anyway, it's rumored that Kim Jong-un attended there under the name Pak-un. The circumstances around this student that was never confirmed to be Kim Jong-un are mysterious, but all sources point to the fact that it almost certainly is him. Wow. Our dude sported some of the most in-demand Nike shoes and had a room in his apartment dedicated only to American basketball paraphernalia. You know, like all high school students do. Where was your basketball room? <laughs> it, was, it was my room. I didn't have a palace. I'm obsessed with this, like, you know, you think of Kim Jong-un and you think of this, like, very powerful, scary guy, right? Totally. And and then hearing that he owns like so many pairs of Nikes, that he has these like epic <laughs> basketball courts built, that he has a museum of friendship, like you're like, are we the same? It's <laughs> it is very interesting to see this other side of this man. Yeah. Let me give you another relatable detail. So every day after school, he'd play basketball at nearby courts, decked out head to toe in Jordan Bulls gear. Oh, no. Shoes all the way up. I love that slash hate it. In soccer, we call that a full kit wanker. That's when a guy <laughs> wears like the jersey, the sh matching shorts, the yeah. socks. Sometimes they it's even have the cleats on. It's yeah. sad. It's sad. If you're above like age 12, it's it's strange. Even if you're 12, I'll still call you a full kit wanker. I don't <laughs> <care>. <laughs> well, the similars between you and Kim Jong-un only grow stronger because he was also apparently a big trash talker like you and his hero, Michael Jordan. Wow. A friend said he was super competitive. He said, quote, for him, basketball was everything. I think we're getting that. Pak Un, who we assume is Kim Jong-un, mm -hmm. showed several friends a photo where he was standing next to Tony Kukoc of the Bulls and Kobe Bryant of the Los Angeles Lakers. Whoa. How that picture came about, who can know? How strange. Who could know? What a life. What a life. What a mystery. I'm feeling like I know nothing about this man. I know. And then in 2000, just as mysteriously as he arrived, Pak Un left the school that I will not try and pronounce again. Liebefeld Steinhurzli. So, Rachel, let's sum up our two BFFs here. There's Dennis Rodman, our flamboyant, rule-breaking bad boy. Mm -hmm. And there's Kim Jong-un, our enigmatic, Western-loving rich kid. Full kit wanker. <laughs> Both with a <laughs> profound connection to basketball. Maybe it actually makes perfect sense. I didn't listen to Paula Abdul not to learn that opposites attract, <laughs> especially when they have a deeply shared interest like basketball. <laughs> Okay, so now fast forward to 2013, where Kim Jong-un, as supreme leader, has reportedly had no direct engagements with any American citizens. That is, until Dennis. But before I tell you more, let's take a quick break. Be right back. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Lightstream. Are you tired of credit card bills with high interest rates? Sure. Mm -hmm. Ready to pay off your credit card balances and start saving money? Absolutely. Get a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream and you could save thousands in interest. Get a rate as low as 5.95 APR with auto pay and excellent credit. 
The rate is fixed, so it will never go up over the life of the loan. Plus, there are absolutely no fees. The application is quick and easy and is 100% online. You can even get your money in your bank account as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. Apply today and get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash shame. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash shame. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash shame for more information. Hall of Shame is brought to you by BetterHelp. Are you stuck at home, feeling isolated, worried about the state of things? Honestly, now more than ever. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can help. You can talk to a licensed online therapist and find relief. BetterHelp therapists specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, insomnia, family conflicts, and more. You'll connect with your counselor in a safe and private online environment. Anything you share is confidential. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you will love in less than 24 hours. Easily schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist, plus exchange unlimited messages. If for any reason you are unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. You can get professional help when you want it, wherever you are. BetterHelp is a truly affordable option, and our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code SHAME, even though there's no shame in this game. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com SHAME. That's BetterHelp.com SHAME. Talk to a therapist online and get help. So just to recap, Dennis Rodman and Kim Jong-un are in a collision course towards an unlikely but perhaps <laughs> faded friendship. Little historical context. On February 12, 2013, North Korea announced that it had successfully conducted its third underground nuclear weapons test in defiance of international bans. The success of this test was a signal that the country was one step closer to developing a nuclear warhead that could reach as far as California. So I tell you this to just set the stage. Tensions between North Korea and the U.S. were at an all-time high. But that same year, Kim Jong-un decides to end his streak of not meeting with any Americans, all in the service of basketball. Mm -hmm. So that's the temperature going into the 2013 Vice Media trip to North Korea with three members of the Harlem Globetrotters and our dude, Dennis Rodman. But instead of having me tell you about it, Today, we have the person who was actually there, a firsthand witness to Dennis Rodman and Kim Jong-un's meet-cute, former vice correspondent Ryan Duffy. I love this. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for joining us today. So can you give our listeners a summary of that trip? Sure. Um, so it was early 2013. Um, I was working at Vice at the time, and we had just uh, almost completed our first season of our big HBO show, which was kind of a big moment for the for the company. Um, and at the onset of that show, we had kind of laid down some some parameters for people coming up with ideas that I think are probably pretty similar to what a lot of people do, which is 
Come up with a couple kind of pretty simple ideas that we could go and shoot tomorrow. Come up with a bunch of ideas in the middle, the meat and potatoes ideas that, you know, we can research, develop, and hopefully get, you know, most of them, half of them, whatever. And then come up with, you know, two to three moonshots, right? Right. These things that, like, dream world, we would take X and go to Y when X and Y are probably both unattainable. Um, Take a Chicago Bull and go to North Korea, (laughs) fit pretty squarely into moonshots and the basic idea was that kim jong-un had just come into power um unexpectedly at that time if you can put yourself back there i mean he still is leader of the hermit kingdom a bit of an unknown quantity right he's he's um he's he's quite mysterious people have a hard time even pinning down real basic biographical information how old is the guy right the one thing we were just talking about, we think his skin looks absolutely flawless in this documentary. You know, so like we can't fit, we can't figure that out either. His, his skin does look flawless. His hands, I, I shook the man's hand, uh, <gasps> soft and supple. There's not a lot of hard labor involved in his sure. life. Like these, you know, they, they were pretty easy. And possibly years. a very expensive skincare regimen. Quite possibly. Our hands are probably way, way rougher than <laughs> yes. this man's. Um, but anyway, to, to, to bring it home, uh, the thing that we knew or we thought we knew about this new young kind of boy king was that he spent a little bit of time in boarding school. And during that time, he expressed a huge affinity for the 90s era Chicago Bulls. Um, so we thought if there is any way uh, to get in his good graces and go meet this guy for the final episode of, of the first season of the show, uh, it would be to dangle a Chicago bowl in front of his face. And that's what we did. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. <Wow>. Yes. <laughs> and it worked. I read that in North Korea, they believe that basketball actually increases height. Like there's just this like belief. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. I, I, if it's only. In, it's entirely possible. Some of some of the things that, you know, a big part of our trip was them kind of parading you around and showing you great things about North Korea, right? Um, Potemkin right. village mm-hmm. style. And a lot of the things that they just pass off as off-the-cuff facts. Like, oh, yeah, this is where Kim Jong-un uh, had 18 straight hole-in-ones on the golf course. And you're like... <laughs> You sh- no, sure? that's incredible. Yeah, just just and there's like I need someone to do that for me. It's unbelievable. The apparatus, the guy. I mean, if if you are looking to be a dictator, look no further than the playbook of of the Kim Dynasty sure. in North Korea. Because good. I mean, Lord, our guy in the bunker everyone. is trying, right? He's sort oh, of, oh my God, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God help us, Ryan. When you when you first got there, I mean, I just rewatched. I rewatched the documentary and I watched it when it first came out, but it seemed like everyone was kind of putting on a show for you guys. Did you feel that? Like there was one moment where you were in this like computer room and a guy was just like yeah. staring at the Google homepage, which I thought was very funny and just like pretending to type and nothing was happening. Like, did you get an overall sense that people were doing a lot of things for you guys to make it seem more normal than it is? For sure. And that was something we were trying to balance while we were there, which is let's, to the best of our ability, not be useful idiots here, right? We, we, right, we yeah. really wanted to be eyes wide open to the fact that, you know, the, there's, this is a propaganda effort on the part of the North Korean government. And um, for as much as we're trying to use Dennis and, and all of this to get in there, they're trying to use us to... Um, 
to counteract certain certain beliefs and certain truths, quite frankly, about um, right. about their country, about their government, about the, the way they rule it. Um, and you could see kind of point by point some of the some of the tours we were taken on were were really um, constructed specifically to knock down certain ideas. There's widespread reporting about about famine, right? There's just not enough right. food, especially for kind of the everyday citizenry um, outside of Pyongyang and outside of the government kind of, you know, hierarchy. They would take us to a grocery store and just show us the stocked American cereal, you know, and just like really weird, wow, like here are the cases of, of Coca-Cola or whatever. And it's just, right. it's so, and then to your point, the computer lab, right? Another one of the, the big problems is access to information. And, and it's one of the kind of, it's the dictator playbook, right? You, you, you squash access to information. So the only information source is you and the government and the official sources, and you control that. Ugh. I mean, we see a lot of this in China today too, right? Um, totally. So they take us to the computer lab and they show us the guy on google.com with just the blinking cursor in front of him, right? <laughs> so you could see how point by point, they just kind of laid out like, okay, here are the wow. bad things people are saying about us. Let's knock right. them down one by one. Um, so yes, yeah. All for sure. Did you feel like Dennis was aware? Like, was he like in on that piece of it? Like, did he comment on the show? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. De- look, Dennis. To to be fair, I I I arrived in Pyongyang, and and the rest of our team arrived there, having done months and months of research and prep and obviously benefiting from the fact that Shane had been prior and we had all this knowledge about kind of how it was going to go and and Shane was able to tell me a lot of things about, you know, they're going to be listening to you when you're in places like this. So when you guys are doing a a pre-pro meeting before the day starts, make sure you do this and turn on the music in the shower. We were doing all the stuff that really makes That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. You guys must have felt like secret spies. It it was, yes, we did. And and look, (laughs) This is that's the level of paranoia that like that kind of government gets. Who knows whether they were actually listening, but it worked right in the sense that we were mm-hmm. all acting like lunatics. Dennis was coming at this a little bit colder, right? He he didn't right. necessarily have the benefit of of preparing for this for quite some time. Um, sure, I'm I'm not sure he 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 fully grasped all the geopolitical significance prior to sure. us getting there. I did see when we first landed in Beijing, um, there was a, a I, I guess word had gotten out while we were on the way over there. I can't quite remember, but there was a pretty big media scrum in Beijing. And I do remember kind of walking through the Beijing airport with him and him kind of going like, what is going on here? Right. Like starting wow. to really grasp the significance right. of this. Interesting. So it was Dennis was an interesting person to be there with because I I did feel like um and he was, you know, uh, he was a curious guy. He was asking questions about it to to us and and the crew and 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 North Koreans themselves and it was cool to kind of watch him, I think to to a certain degree learning about it on the ground and in, in real time. Totally in real time kind of. Yeah. Would he hang out with you guys like when you weren't on like, you know, in like a van on the way somewhere? Like, would he have dinner with you guys and like spend time with you? Or was it like, I'll meet you in the lobby and then we'll take off? Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? I think like, yeah, we had dinners. Most of our meals, 
and and that's in part, you know, I'd love to say like, well, Dennis thought I was really cool and he was impressed by my knowledge about, you know, Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and the original big three. But like, <laughs> there's nowhere else to go. Was he, he's, gonna, he's not going to like go out on his own in Pyongyang. He kind of has to yeah, have right. dinner with me. Um, but in my <laughs> mind, it's because I'm cool. Lucky uh, you. <laughs> but he, he also spent a lot of time he he had one um kind of the parameters of the trip was he could bring one kind of handler manager i don't, don't want to insult anyone and use the right term but he, he brought one companion um gotcha. a, a business partner of sorts um and spent a lot of time with him um but you know it, it was pretty close quarters and you're not yeah there's no it's like summer camp it's just you guys. Yeah, and even the hotel, right? We're in this <laughs> big old hotel, and you're like, there's nobody in this hotel. That's Every wild. meal we ate was just us in some big restaurant, right? Every, you walk through the lobby, there's a couple of Chinese business people here and there, but like, by and large. And then I, to say the obvious part of that, we with our cameras and, you know, four white guys walking through the lobby of a hotel in Pyongyang. We look weird enough. Dennis sure. looks, I mean, he's six foot eight, the, the lip ring, the tattoos. And yeah. yeah. North Korea on, on a whole and in large part due to the famine, which is very real. Um, it's a relatively small population, right? Just in terms of stature, in terms of physical yeah. size of your everyday North Korean. Dennis Rodman is a different species species to these people yeah. right he's huge and he's so strong and he's just oh like oh my god yeah you know i wow. think and i'm guessing like the average citizen of north korea is like doesn't have piercings and tattoos no not a lot of body modification in pyongyang on top of his stature then his specific look kind of stands out anywhere Yes. Yeah. That's wild. So, so hold on. So you're you're there for this specific moment, right? Like you guys went for this game between the Globetrotters and a team made of North Koreans, right? Were they the, the national team or were they Olympian? Like, what was the deal with that? Yeah, the team we had been we had been conducting kind of workshops and practices for the under eighteen. I say we, <laughs> Dennis and actual basketball players like the Harlem Globetrotters had been conducting <laughs> workshops. You played a little. We yeah, saw. I saw you ball. Hey, <laughs> my box score one for one, two points. Uh, hey. <laughs> But uh, but those those workshops were quite candidly as as a basketball fan that was like the maybe the one thirty minute stretch where there was a chance for me. It's a little bit of of what Rodman went into in the MJ doc that I'm sure we all just watched, right? Where he talks right. a little bit yep. about rebounding philosophy and how we'd go yeah. to gyms late at night. We had similar conversations in a gym, and I, those were the moments where I was just like, whoa. Like this, I, yeah. this is just a cool chance to hang out with a dude who. That's uh, where you're fanboying. Yeah. To truly. Oh my god, who wouldn't? That would be awesome. Totally. It was cool. Um, That's cool. So you you show up to this game, this mass. There's like thousands and thousands yes. and thousands of people. Did you know that Kim Jong Un was gonna be there? Like you you had no idea. We did not know Kim Jong Un was gonna be there. We knew there was a chance. Um, okay. But even oh. Oh my goodness. So basically, we 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 walked in. The stadium is is packed. You see it in in the episode. It's not a single empty seat. 
And there's kind mm-hmm. of ripples of information that he may or may not be coming, but he's not there yet. We're all getting dressed. We're out on the court. And then right before game time, you just hear this kind of slow roar. And I, I, I won't do it justice. It's, it's captured in the piece pretty well. Uh, but the first yeah, guy who sees him stands up and he's clapping just just un, unbroken and in, in, in like he's having out of body experience for eight straight minutes and the whole arena joins him and Kim Jong-un is just walking in and everyone their people That's are wild. crying yeah. you know um, and it's really yeah, I, the basketball players were emotional. The basketball players were emotional. Yes. Everyone, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really truly because it's not you know for for a lot of people there the the Kim the Kim dynasty is really fascinating. We're gonna go into all of it, but it is this hybrid of like all powerful authoritarian ruler, but also in a way infused with kind of these religious undertones and almost supernatural powers like this is not like seeing your favorite world leader this is your favorite world leader your your religious leader and uh superman wrapped into one right and he's just walking right. into this arena and most people do not ever yeah. see him. so yeah so he walked in that was like i said unexpected um he stayed for the whole game um, and then, yes, there was a, a dinner and kind of reception afterwards. So you actually played, you played in this basketball game. Was there ever, like, you saw him come in and then you were like, oh, shit, I have to go play basketball in front of Kim Jong-un. Like, I, that must have been somewhat of an insane experience. Yeah. And in that way, I will say it was almost better that we didn't know he'd be there and that he walked in right before because I think. If yeah. I were sitting in the locker room for half an hour beforehand going, holy shit, holy shit, shit holy totally. shit. Oh, my God. Uh, I haven't played organized basketball since high school, and I'm about to play in front right. of Dennis Rodman and Kim Jong-un. <laughs> um, but because he kind of walked in, and then, you know, they immediately go, okay, he's here. Start. And it's just like, forget about whatever schedule you were on. The guy's here. You're wow. playing basketball because yeah. that's what he came to see. So he walks in. That applause lasts for truly about eight minutes of standing ovation, which is an unbelievable amount of time when you're actually inside of it. Um, that's why He sits down and it's tip off. So fortunately for me, I <laughs> for reasons that are still unclear, I started in this game. Um but I love think it. they mercifully. I, I loved that detail. Yeah, <laughs> I completely yeah, upset. That was amazing. They mercifully pulled me after not too long, and uh, much better players ended up playing. But I did. I was one for were one. Were the North Koreans pretty good? Yeah, they actually were. Um, jump yeah. shooters mostly. It's a big deal there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a big deal there. Um, and there was like a there was a real. Um, this is probably not surprising given where we're talking about, but this almost militaristic precision to the game, right? Like it sure. wasn't a free flowing, right. you know, it's, it's a no. Princeton offense kind of, kind of vibe. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not like Iverson. No, it's <laughs> not. It was, it was right, funny to watch the Globetrotters who yeah. are obviously the polar opposite, purely 
not purely performative. They're unbelievably sure. talented too, but absolutely on the performative side yeah, of yeah. things. And then these guys over here are running like Princeton offense, you know, yeah. from from nineteen ninety two kind of stuff. And they tied. They tied. The game truly really was which tied. Was, like I'm sure it was so much fun to watch. In the and end. It, that's one of those things too that like I've I've had this conversation a bunch since I got back where people go, okay, between you and I, that wasn't really like that. Really right. was a tie game. We couldn't have scripted that if we tried, and we really did pull over at that the basketball court towards the end. Like those are two real true things that I understand why people don't believe. And I probably wouldn't either, but I'm telling you they were true. I mean, sports is magic. It's like, I I believe it. Also, you're like, please give me the two unscripted moments in this whole experience. (laughs) Because there weren't many. Yeah. That's (laughs) That's wild. So after this game, you guys, you went into a locker room and then somebody like came roaring and was like, you guys got to get ready ASAP. Can you talk a little bit about that? And did you know it was coming? Did you know it was happening beforehand? No. So we had we had no idea. The game finished up and, and we thought that was it. And we thought he, he was going elsewhere. Um, we all went into the locker room. We're kind of just getting dressed and, and going to shower and all. And um, there's a buzz and, and people are coming in and having these kind of hushed conversations. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, no time to shower. Just get changed. Go, 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 go. Time to go, 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 go. And you're like, okay, where are we going? And this is towards the end of the trip. So I certainly wouldn't say we have like a friendly rapport with our handlers, but we have a week at time with them, right? We at least have some sort of of baseline. So we're like, okay, where are we going, right? right? Like thinking we had hit a point where we could get a straight answer. And you could tell like they actually didn't know, right? Like it was the first time where it felt like (laughs) – the people in charge of us were just kind of getting orders from above and just kind of going, I don't right. know, man, just get in the van. This is what's happening. Yeah. All I know is you have to do what I'm saying. Yes. And that's all. And I that's know. it. And yeah. there's no questioning. It's not part it. of the the response mechanism there. It's just, oh, you've been told from above. OK, that's what we're doing. So we pour into the vans. <sighs> kind of long drive undisclosed location and even then like obviously your suspicions you're like okay are we are we meeting with kim jong-un but like no one tells you that right and you don't actually know until we get there and they funnel us out into this kind of huge um you know cavernous hall of sorts and we walk through a bunch of, you know, screening metal detector type things, which we weren't always doing. So it felt heightened. And then right yeah. after the metal detector, wow. you turn this corner and you're into this big ballroom and he's just standing there, like literally right there, hand extended. Um, oh. And there's just a procession. How many like, um, sec- what's their, whatever their version of Secret Service, like how many of those guys are around him? Tons, tons of people sure. around him. Um, but again, it's that, it's that thing, right. Where it's like, there are all these people kind of buzzing about and whatever. And you don't necessarily know like, oh, that guy's the chef and that guy's a sniper who could kill you from a mile away. And maybe the chef is also the sniper. They're all the same thing. Exactly. exactly. Wow. Um, so we have to ask, we talked about this a little bit. You shook the man's hand. We need a description (laughs) of the, the skin texture. (laughs) And Beautiful. also, I'm so curious, does he wear cologne? Oh, that's a great question. I I wish I had my wherewithal to answer that. I don't remember it. So the answer is probably no. But I, I also right. 
Okay. I may have okay. been in okay. primal survival mode, like smelling my own panic. Sure. Shock at that point. You know? Absolutely. Um, but he's. But the question of like, you were drinking. Like he was drinking. He was drinking. Yeah. It was celebratory, which is also, you know, back to this whole kind of like dichotomy of the entire trip where you're like, you're being shown a thing that you know is not true. And in this instance, we were being kind of fetid at this, you know, big, big reception, which obviously, to be clear, had so much more to do with Dennis and the Harlem Globetrotters than it did sure. me uh, or anyone I was with. Right. Um, but you're sitting there and people, yeah, are bringing out, you know, sake and, and um, you know, sushi and, and all this food. And you're sitting there going, OK, but they're people in gulags and the country is ravished by famine mm-hmm. and it's yeah. just like you know it's 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 disorienting and 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 if you if you dwell on it obviously deeply upsetting but but yes the the reception itself was clearly designed to kind of you know put cast all that stuff aside and just show draw your yeah. attention away from that yeah but it but was so did it feel any less strict as people were drinking or was it pretty like you could tell people were having a sip and not really it because in the in the footage it felt like people were like drinking it felt like a party and like i know maybe you were when i've had day. like four sakis it was the most and i think it was a few things right the game the game I, I think there was a lot of tension leading up to the game the game was now in the rear view right. and people were like okay that that happened yeah. and and we're good um, I think it was clearly the the booze, um, and it was the sure. the tail so got a little end of the trip too, right? So I think, right, you know, we can argue whether this was wise, but I think the guard had come down just in that natural human way that sure. is, occasionally doesn't serve mm-hmm. us, but like, oh, nothing bad has happened, so I guess nothing bad will happen. That like fallacy of our <laughs> dumb lizard brains, you sure. know. But yeah, all of those things, and th- and there was music, there was entertainment. The I don't think this details in the piece, but the musical entertainment was this unbelievable um, group of I believe it was all female musicians, uh, all dressed in in just oh yeah, bright it is white. It. it is. They play the Dallas theme song. Remember the show Dallas? Yes. They just played that Dallas wow. theme song over and over again, probably eight nine times, and I'm sitting there going like. What is the connection? That's wild. And the best I have to this day is Dennis is from Dallas. And there was some sort of like lost in translation conflation of like, oh, this is this is the official song of the place Dennis is from, as opposed to like the theme song to a a, a Meanwhile, Dennis was like, right. what is this? I, this I is don't the think song that Dennis grew idea. up hearing every day at school. That's what I think somebody thought. <laughs> so they play. Oh, my God. It was like his national anthem. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Where my mind went? My mind went to, like, did Kim Jong-il, like, his dad or something, like, love Dallas, that show? And then, like, it also just became possible. a song that, like, is that so popular in North Korea. Totally possible. That's, like, number one on the charts. <laughs> yeah. They've convinced everyone wow. every year it's like a new song. I mean, it's like a fascinating psychology. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was it was a fascinating little wrinkle. What did the other Globetrotters like? What was their take? They were probably as well suited as anyone to deal with this, right? Because for as much as like we we kind of had this idea of basketball diplomacy and sports as this universal language. 
that actually is kind of their mission. That's what they right. do. Um, so I, I, they certainly had been in a room with a lot of brutal dictators before, but they had been in a lot of kind of state receptions and, you know, sure. right? Like that. this is a big part of, of what the Globetrotters overall organization does. So, I mean, right. the whole those guys are about as cool and collected and funny and like, yeah. they're just- They seemed awesome. They're great. Um, so they, they probably were, I mean, who knows if they're freaking out on the inside, but at least appearances sake, they, they were great and gracious. Um, there were a couple moments when, you know, people were giving various speeches and North Koreans were kind of doing their whole welcome and thank you for coming and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the Globetrotters kind of, you know, had their moment to, to speak on, on the American side and were also like gracious and struck totally the right balance between like saying enough without saying too much right. you know because sure. you know um yeah but yeah they were great they they were absolutely great i was so glad to have them the whole time so what was what was dennis like at the end of this trip when things were kind of concluding like was he like wow this was like amazing like what was his vibe like yeah i think he was definitely processing it all um a boring kind of logistical answer to that question is we actually stayed a little longer than he did by design that was always kind of the plan dennis got out of pyongyang probably i think three days earlier than we did gotcha yeah so we we stuck around and we're just doing a, a, a little bit more kind of, of wrap up and stuff but yeah i think he he like i said he was processing a lot of this stuff in real time and i think you definitely saw that when you guys were there like were they chummy because like that's sort of the beginning of this friendship that sort of budded were they kind of like palling around or what was their interaction like like is it a real friendship i mean <laughs> Dennis talked to Kim Jong-un more than anyone else in our contingent. That's for sure. sure. And that, by the way, that is the design of Kim Jong-un, right? Who, right. It, A, right. It, to the extent you believe he is a Bulls fan, just right. wanted that. But B, that's part of the optics and the propaganda, right? Here is this yes. famous American, I am, you know, I'm in good with him. Yes. Um. So, yeah, they were in the rare instances, and we've pretty much talked about all of them at this point, but in the rare instances where we were in proximity to Kim Jong-un in particular, it was always Dennis who was seated next to him at the dinner, at the game. They watched the game together. Dennis didn't play in the game. Right. Um, so, yeah, and they were – they anytime I was kind of stealing glances over, which was pretty often um, – they were speaking. They were using. There's a lot of speculation about whether or not um, Kim Jong Un speaks English, or understands English, right. or whatever. For appearances' sake, he was not speaking English to us. There was always a translator there, um, right. kind of sitting behind oh, he wow. and Dennis. And I also do wonder if that translator, you know. <laughs> cleaned up some of the language right. a little bit. It you seemed know? like he did. I think he even did. in the little footage you showed, he shifted a little yeah. between what Dennis yes. said and what he delivered to the Supreme Leader. And you know what? Good job, translator guy. Correct. Translator knows what's up. <laughs> I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Take some liberties. Keep me out of the gulag. Translator's also like, I'm not trying to get killed here right. uh, translating <laughs> yeah. for Dennis Rodman. They do kill the messenger, <laughs> as it turns out. Fascinating. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, oh, so that's I have, scary. 
it's scary and I have one anecdote that is not in the piece that if we have 60 oh, seconds yeah. left, I'll tell you guys. Exclusive. <laughs> Exclusive. Uh, at one of our kind of final receptions, it was the night before Dennis was leaving. Um, they had a dinner for us. Kim Jong-un wasn't there, but uh, kind of the, you know, the other people who had invited us, government officials, et cetera, were all there. And they presented us with some gifts. Um, and they gave Dennis this uh, bronze statue. Uh, it's a, a bust, I guess is the right wow. term, of his face that they had made. Wow. Um, yeah. And then they, you know, they weren't going to give us each bust. Of but Dennis's they were, face? Of Dennis's face, yes. It's amazing. I, I might be able to find a photo. Wow. Of um, but then they gave each of us, like the, the crew, um, so, uh, uh, Jake, Jerry, Jason, myself, uh, these little, um, I guess plaques, the plaques were, uh, they had our names and dates and whatever normal stuff you'd have, but they had photos of us in there and they call you up and you go receive it and you go get it and you're looking at it and you're going, I didn't pose for this photo <laughs> and you realize no it's just way. this long telephoto lens image wow, of wow, you wow. all of us from like various iterate so by that point you're kind of going oh, i don't know if it, i think we may have exaggerated they were, they're probably yeah. not listening to us and watching us and then they hand you this thing and you're <laughs> yeah. like oh okay everything we, we you, thought and then some They've been watching yeah. us every ah! second of oh. every day. They've been like on some camera has been recording me like six inches from my face. Yes. <laughs> this it whole was time. so Holy shit. A, a, like a true I've never had that like thing they say in movies all the time, like a chill in my spine. Like yeah. that was a moment where I actually felt like hair standing on end, where I was like, oh, I my imagine God. that's very intentional. On their oh, part. like God. we know you had fun. You're probably feeling a little chill after a week. Like, please no. Yeah, one thousand percent. Take this home with you. This yes. like knowledge. Yes, yes. Enjoy oh your parting God. gift of fear. Did you just take like the biggest breath when you sat down in the plane on the way home? Were you like, okay, now I'm good? Yeah. Yeah. There was a huge, huge relief, and you know the weird thing is we we landed at eventually. I was living in New York at the time. We landed at at JFK with the full expectation that we would get off the plane coming from Pyongyang originally and be pulled into the littlest of the little rooms where someone would be waiting for you to go like, okay, now's the time you debrief us on everything because you just met a guy who six Americans have met before. Mm -hmm. To date, I have never had a conversation with anyone about that in any official capacity. I mean, plenty of conversations like this. but. Yeah, no, no additional questioning. I, I've I've had more questioning coming back from Miami than I did Pyongyang. We just breezed right through the airport and went back to our apartments in Brooklyn. Wow, well, <laughs> weird, right? I mean, I'm That's not really I weird. Don't look a don't look a gift horse in the in the face. I'm thrilled no, that it didn't God. happen. Yeah. I'm, you know. Um, but, but yeah, I thought it was, oh was deeply strange. You would strange. think they'd want to know some stuff. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know that it was. I don't know that the State Department and the like were thrilled that we did that, right? Sure. So I think it may sure. be a little bit of that too. Like, that's yeah, not, we're like not almost not going to condone. Yeah, which gotcha. Sure, I get. <laughs> yeah, this fair. is not the way you want to conduct your official diplomacy. Sure, I get it. Yeah. 
And yeah, and yeah, I would say if that's what it takes, there are times where it's worth it. Yeah, there's all sorts of trite ways to to say this, and I, I try to stop short of, of falling into the trap of it. But like, on a real basic level, all other things equal, and often they are not. But when they are, I'll take conversation, right? I'll, I'll take Correct. some sort of connection and, and an effort yeah. towards some some mutual understanding, or at least the the opportunity for dialogue when it arises. Because otherwise, if there's no relations and there's no absolutely, ground, and sports is one of those that translates across. It does. Cultures. It really, truly does. At the risk of also sounding trite. Yeah. Well, Ryan, this was awesome. This was Thank awesome. you so much. This was the best first guest we could have asked for. This was fascinating. Thank <laughs> I'm you the so best much. guest yeah. you've ever had on this You're show. the best guest we've ever had. You are the best guest we have God. ever, Great. ever had. Yeah. Uh, well, it was an honor. Thank Thanks, you guys Ryan. so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. That was awesome. If you want to check out more of Ryan's work, he's the creator and executive producer of the new Netflix docuseries Home Game, which explores competition cultures from all around the world. Check it out on Netflix June 26th. We'll be right back. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Function of Beauty. We all know the frustration. Bottles on bottles of half-use shampoos and conditioners piling up in your bathroom, including in mine, like weird tiny sample sizes from hotels. (laughs) I have so many bottles. But are you ready to live your best hair life in 2020? Even though I'm not leaving my living room? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people can see, like, these Zooms are high def. They can see what's up with your hair. Then you need Function of Beauty. Do you dread washing and styling your hair? It's not you. It's the products you're using. Try something new with Function of Beauty. I got my shampoo, have loved. My hair smells so good. Your hair looks fabulous right now. Thank you. You're so welcome. Function of Beauty is the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 30,000 five-star customer reviews and counting. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Whether your hair is curly or straight, natural or processed, Function of Beauty individually formulates every bottle based on your unique hair type, style preference, and hair goals. Also, the bottles are so cute. They are very cute. You can pick whatever color you want. So cute. To begin the short four-question quiz and to save 20% on your first purchase, go to functionofbeauty.com slash shame. Also, who doesn't love a four-question quiz? Love it. Like, I love quizzes. The best kind. Personality quizzes, yes. You tell them all about your hair and even customize your formula with fragrance and color. Or you can go dye in fragrance-free. This is, like, so awesome. It's so customized. Your hair has its own personality. The products are so personalized, your name is even printed on the bottle. So fun. Plus, Function of Beauty is vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, phthalates, mineral oils, or any other harmful ingredients. To get started right now, go to functionofbeauty.com shame to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Don't spend another minute in hair misery. Go to functionofbeauty.com shame to let them know that we sent you. That's functionofbeauty.com shame. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Philo TV. Do you love TV but hate the size of your cable bill? Philo is your solution. It offers more than 50 channels of TV live and on demand for just $20 a month. They've got a ton of networks too. MTV, VH1, Comedy Central, The Hallmark Channel. Who doesn't love a Hallmark movie? Yeah. Can I can I keep on talking about how I can't stop watching HGTV? Because I don't want to like big up myself, but I'm basically a flipper flopper now. Like oh I'm 
rebuilding my home. Should they reboot Trading Spaces and you're a new host? I mean, I feel like I could host any one of their shows now because I am talented at flipping homes. (laughs) I have paint all over my body right now. You're like, look at this tiny home in Omaha. (laughs) I'm here for you. (laughs) With Viola, you save hundreds a month on TV. It is the most affordable way to watch at a time when everyone could use some entertainment in their life. Philo was created by a bunch of passionate TV fans that wanted to make a better way to watch. There are no contracts. It is cord-free, commitment-free, hassle-free, and provides unparalleled customer service. One of the better features is its unlimited DVR, which allows you to save all of your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. It also allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams so everyone in the house can have their own saved shows and up to three simultaneous streams. You never have to fight over who gets to pick what to watch. Philo is easy to use, super easy to sign up, and you can watch by phone, laptop, tablet, or TV with Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, or Android TV. Philo is TV for everyone. Sign up today at philo.tv slash shame, and you will get 25% off your first two months. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash shame. This episode is brought to you by Public Goods. Public Goods is the one-stop shop for affordable, sustainable, healthy household products from home and personal care to premium pantry staples all in one place. Rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful, streamlined aesthetic. Their products are gorgeous. Yeah, we love it. I've been using the laundry detergent and the fabric softener. Me too. And I have really sensitive skin and it's amazing. It's so good. Their almond butter, which I'm not even a huge almond butter fan, was delicious. And they have these reusable straws that my kids were super into because I was totally like, we're not using disposable straws anymore. And they were like so happy to get straws back in their life. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products like sulfate-free shampoo, organic pesto sauce, and tree-free paper products. They ethically source and develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They're committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment. They use a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. They plant one tree for every order placed, Yes, and have planted over 100,000 trees since September 2019. Wow. And of course, we have a special offer for Hall of Shame listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you'll absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com shame or use the code shame at checkout but no shame in being sustainable. <laughs> All of our codes are hilarious. Can it be like hall or HOS? No, guys, <laughs> H-O-S? it's shame. It's shame. <laughs> That's P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash shame to receive $15 off your first order. And we're back. That was fun. Our first guest. I can't believe. Yeah, we can't. We, we need to put Ryan in the Hall of Fame, not Hall of Shame. But yeah. he's in the he's in the Hall of Shame, Hall of Fame. Excellent first guest. Yeah. All right. So after that initial trip we just heard about from Ryan Duffy, the Rodman Kim Jong Un friendship seemed to blossom. I'm sorry that uh, you know uh, my country and your country are not on good terms. 
Dennis even called Kim a quote-unquote friend for life and great guy. Well, for me and the country, you're a friend for life, sir. Thank you. You're a friend for life. Beautiful. Did they have those matching necklaces that's like the broken heart, but then when you put them together, it's a whole heart? If they didn't, what a wasted opportunity. Why are we even doing this? Why don't we have those? Hold on. The Hall of Shame merch just keeps on growing and growing. (laughs) Endless opportunities for merchandise. The following May 2013, Dennis tweeted for Kim to, quote, do him a solid and cut Kenneth Bay loose. So Bay was a Korean American imprisoned in North Korea. But the point being here, basically they'd reached the, hey, bro, can you drive me to the airport level of friendship, (laughs) which I feel like is a big deal. Do me a solid. You know? Can you swing by and grab me a Sammy? (laughs) Rodman went on to visit Kim Jong-un several more times. Here are some of the big milestones in their budding friendship. Later in 2013, Dennis visited again, but this time strictly for pleasure. No discussion about Bay. They just talked hoops. You know what I mean? You just sometimes you're not there for business. You're just there to hang. Mm-hmm. In 2014, Dennis returned once more to play an exhibition game with 12 former NBA players for Kim Jong-un's birthday. I was literally just thinking about birthdays. I was thinking, I wish, I hope that Kim invited Dennis to one of his birthdays. Of course he did. When you're traveling halfway across the world for your friend's B-Day, like, you're tight. <laughs> you're bringing one of those best friend necklaces. Like, you have That's to. it. If you don't have one, what are you doing? <laughs> After that trip, their relationship hit that too close, unfortunate, I no longer will even disagree with you place. In an interview with CNN's Chris Cuomo, someone who's been in the news a lot, mm-hmm. Rodman suggested that Kenneth Bay deserved his fate. Are you going to take an opportunity, right, right. if you get it, right. to speak up for the family of Kenneth Bay and to say, let us know why this man is being held, that this is wrong, that he is sick. If you can help, Dennis, will you take the opportunity? The one thing about politics, Kenneth Bay did one thing, if you understand no, I got it, I got it. If you understand what Kid and Bay did, yeah. do you understand what he did? What did he do? You in tell this me. Country? You tell me, what did he do? And, and no, 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 you tell me. You tell me. Why is he held captive? They haven't released any country? charges. They haven't Why? released, they haven't released I, any I, reason. Dennis? No. Good wow. friends call their friends out when they're fucking up. This is not great. Wow. You know what I mean? This is like not being a good friend. So wait, just to clarify, he was like, yo, bro, do me a solid. Let this guy out. And now he's like, well, maybe he deserves to be in jail. <gasps> Dennis. Kim Jong-un hypnotized him while he was there for his B-Day party. I will say Rodman would later go on to apologize for his words and blamed it on alcohol and stress during that visit. I would do anything. I would do anything. Literally, this is this is Dennis Rodman talking. If they said, we'll take Dennis Rodman and we'll let Ken and Bay go. I said, you know what? I'd do that Straight ahead, I'll I'll do it. Take me. Soon after, Rodman checked himself into rehab for alcohol abuse. And later that year, Kim Jong-un did release Kenneth Bay. So despite Dennis Rodman's drama and flip-flopping, Bay went on to thank Dennis for bringing media attention to his case because he did ultimately get free. But I just want to thank Dennis Rodman for being a catalyst for my release because his rant the, um, my uh, you know, media attention and my plight was increased. So if I meet him someday, I just want to say thank you for um, 
you know, you know, for what he has done, they really brought attention, international attention for my plight. What a bummer if you like somehow had access to Twitter and was just like watching Dennis flip flop of like being on your side <laughs> and then like, deciding I... not to like, oh please, my God. Please stop. Yeah. But proof that long-distance friendships do work. In 2018, Dennis flew back to North Korea to help facilitate the historical meeting between Kim Jong-un and not really my president, Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's, that's insane. That's like Dennis Rodman. Not that this country isn't already insane, like so many things are wild, no, but Dennis Rodman, uh, NBA player, facilitated a meeting between two of the world's highest powers. And we're very proud of what took place today. Uh, I think our whole relationship with North Korea and the Korean Peninsula is uh, it's going to be a very much different uh, situation than it has in the past. Yeah, it was supposedly to discuss nuclear disarmament. Of course, as ever, there was no clear conclusion from it. But Trump did leave saying now he and Kim share a special bond. And I'm like, is Kim Jong-un like super charming? What's happening? <laughs> Anyway, look, the Trump-Kim Jong-un meeting brought a MAGA hat-wearing Rodman to tears, saying that meeting was years in the making. I knew things were going to change. I knew it. I, I was the only one. I never had no one to hear me. I didn't know one had to see me. But I took those bullets. I took all that. I took everything. Everyone came at me, and I'm still standing. And today is a great day for everybody. Singapore, Tokyo, China, everything. It's a great day. It is a great I'm day. This is it. a historic day. I'm so happy. You were saying to me. Okay, whatever. Whether we agree with the politics or not, the meeting itself happening was was a big accomplishment. Sure. The players are all the worst. Yeah. But so look, there's no denying that this friendship forged initially through a love of basketball was the catalyst for this crazy historical summit between two hostile countries. And that's wild. In fact, in 2019, Kim requested, quote, famous basketball players be sent to North Korea as part of his nuclear negotiations with the U.S. The request was denied. I'm sorry. He just like made a request for famous ones. He wasn't like, <laughs> I'd like Giannis, Chris Paul, yeah. LeBron. He's like, I don't want somebody who's sitting on the bench. I don't want someone in the D-League. I want famous Anyone ones. famous, thanks. The request was denied, but here's what I'm trying to say. The idea of diplomacy being achieved via basketball, I'm kind of like, look, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. So just full disclosure, mm -hmm. for a brief moment as I was writing this story, I was like, is this dude Kim Jong-un kind of great? Oh. And then I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, he's horrifying and monstrous. So when you said brief, you mean like literally... Super brief. Maybe like a half a millisecond. Yeah. And also, to be honest, Rodman, you're better than MAGA. Come on, dude. Mm -hmm. It makes you think that it's more about contrarianism than moral center. And I feel like that's a bummer. It also makes me feel like he's a little lost. Yeah. You know, he's like had bouts with like alcoholism and drug abuse and yes. he's been like in and out of rehab and, and it just makes me a yeah. little sad. They talk about that in the last dance that he he struggles. Yeah. I just think Rodman takes everything to the extreme. Like he has sex, he breaks his penis. Like that's our guy. So he has one meeting with Kim Jong-un. He becomes his soulmate. That's how Dennis does it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I feel like for Dennis... You're going to North Korea for the first time, which is in and of itself like kind of wild. And you're probably treated like a king. 
You know, totally. they probably rolled out the red carpet for yeah. him. He's not in Jordan's shadow. Surrounded by yes men. Exactly. Not in Jordan's shadow anymore. Like, what's not to love from his point of view? He's probably getting all of this attention. And at that yeah. point, maybe it was starting to, like, die off. I mean, especially right now yeah. in the last couple of years. Um, and, like, you know, they're hiding all the horrific, horrific human rights Well, that's violations. why I just, like, hate. I hate that somebody like Dennis Rodman, who f- at one point was, like, shaving the HIV AIDS symbol in the back of his head and, like, declaring that he was bisexual in, like, such an interesting time and a scary time to do something like that. And then he goes to a place where I can only assume being gay is probably illegal, right? Sure. We can probably yeah. say that. And then he stands up for this guy that it's truly, truly an evil man. Yeah. Well, look, I mean. It's disappointing. My conclusion here was maybe in certain ways this friendship makes perfect sense. These are two people who don't quite fit in and are a little off. And one of them is a sociopath and Kim Jong-un. But they kind of find commiseration in one another. I suppose. But they can just do their own thing and I don't want to be a part of it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to me, they're like those videos of unlikely animal friendships. But instead of like a cat and a hippo, it's the worm and the supreme leader of North Korea. (laughs) And instead of... (laughs) Cute wow. animals. It's two dudes who have made like a ton of bad choices between them. I would not. That's kind watch of how I'm viewing this. On that geo, I wouldn't. <laughs> Same. So to wrap this up, I think you would agree with me that sports are deeply connecting and so much bigger than simply the playing of the game. And as corny as it sounds, they can transcend nations, languages, and political ideologies. And even in the case sometimes of politics, I definitely, definitely don't agree with. That is kind of amazing. We love sports. Sports. Go sports. Yay. All right. Well, next week. Next week. Let's see what we cook up. Same place, same time. We'll see you here. Bye. Hall of Shame is a product of Crooked Media. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Allison Falzetta. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and Stephen Hoffman. Engineering and sound design by Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa. Thank you to Sydney Rapp and Brian Semmel for production support every week. 